Welcome to Season 2 of the Adult Children Voices Across America Speakers Meeting Podcast. You can attend this meeting live on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific Time using the Zoom ID 848-5208-0640, password 061120. For more information about adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families, visit adultchildren.org. The following speaker share from Rick M. was recorded on December 23rd, 2021. Thank you all. Thank you, Gretchen, and thank you all. Thank you for uh, inviting me, and, and thank you for the work that you do uh, maintaining a podcast of, of speakers. I've gone there from time to time just to... Uh, you know, hear a story because for me, a couple of the great gifts of recovery have been to hear other people's stories and and learn from them and to have the opportunity to tell my story, to figure out what my story is. Uh, because for many years, I think I was confused about who I was and, and what life was about. And uh, my theme tonight is progress, not perfection, because uh, I still have my moments of confusion. Um, but it's getting better. So um, my recovery started on a dark and stormy night in the winter of 1998 in Long Island when I was driving to marriage counseling and I felt a strong urge to pull over at a quiet, dark place I knew that I could be safe and just sit there for a minute and think. And when I did that, some grief started coming up and I cried. And that was really unusual for me at the time because usually I'd cry once a year on Christmas Eve when I'd watch It's a Wonderful Life. That was my one big cry. And something was going on inside of me. And in retrospect, I realized that I was kind of melting. Uh, some of the iceberg of Rick was melting. I was in a very dysfunctional marriage at the time. Uh, I actually told myself that uh, it was good to marry her because she was a good person and I was safe because I wasn't uh, in love with her. So if anything happened, I couldn't be hurt. This was kind of the crazy thinking at the time. And I was a bit isolated. My life basically revolved around my work and my kids. So good on her. She said, let's go to marriage counseling. We did. And something started melting in me and I had to pull over and cry. And Going to the marriage counseling got me feeling like I should go see a personal counselor. And I did. And she said, tell me your story. And so I told her my story the best I could. I, I talked about, you know, uh, my parents were, you know, in some ways, wonderful people. They pulled themselves out of the depression and had a reasonable middle-class life, but they also had addictions to alcohol and prescription pills and uh, sex and, um, my dad was quite unfaithful person. Um, and in that household, the rules were uh, sometimes mom and dad have to get drunk. Sometimes they have to yell and fight. And uh, Rick's role is to be a good boy. Be nice, be quiet, don't get in the way. Uh, and sort of the underlying message there was don't feel. Uh, so what Rick did to, deal with that situation was go hang out in his bedroom or go out to play or something and feel this fear inside. There's fear. Oh crap. 
the big people have these big feelings and I don't know what they're going to do. Dad's probably going to leave again and they're going to, maybe they're going to fight. Maybe they're going to break a lamp or something. And uh, I got used to just hanging out by myself with my fear and, and having no one to help me process it. Uh, over the years, as this continued, I got tired of like sitting up at night at, with my ear at the bedroom window uh, at the door, uh, listening to make sure nobody's going to get hurt if I have to call the cops or something. I got tired of sitting there in the cold in the dark and I got resentful. Uh, so I have this scared child in me. I have this resentful child in me. Uh, I did a lot of pouting. And I told this counselor, you know, that's sort of my story, but I dealt with that because, you know, now I'm an adult and I moved away and they're like a thousand miles away. And, you know, I call them on Christmas and that's it. So, you know, that's how I dealt with that. And she said, well, I'm here to tell you that um, you got to deal with that in a bigger way. And at the time, what she told me, she said, uh, there's a program called Al-Anon. And I'll get to the ACA part of my story. But at the time, she said, there's a program called Al-Anon, and here's a meeting list, and you need to go. And the first miracle of my recovery was I believed her. I didn't judge her. I wasn't critical. I just believed her. And I went. And I found uh, a meeting. And I sat back in the back of the room and I'd listen and, and, uh, and sure enough, some more of that grief would come up and very quietly to myself, I'd feel that grief. And sometimes very quietly to myself, I would cry. And I continued my process of melting the iceberg that had become Rick. Um, I found a home group eventually. It was very hard. Uh, I saw the meeting and I wanted to go into that room. There was something, some kind of good vibe I felt from that meeting. And I'd ask about the meeting and they said, oh, that's a step study meeting. I'm like, mm, I want to go in there. I'm afraid to. And it took me weeks to be able to walk into that meeting. And when I did, everybody was so nice. They were so kind. And that became my home meeting. And I learned uh, simple lessons like, you know, do acts of service. And so uh, at the time, and, you know, this was many years ago, we used to have somebody who would make coffee. And this was not coffee as we know it today, but it was this horrible, vile black liquid that you would make in a big vat. And I can't believe that we actually drank it. But uh, so I made the coffee and one night um, I had to get there early to make the coffee. And one night I was in there by myself making the coffee and Craig came in. And I had known for several weeks that I wanted Craig to be my sponsor because uh, he listened to everybody and he spoke from his heart. And uh, his story was in ways like mine. And, uh, you know, I felt like I trusted him. And so this was one of those moments when the intuition goes off and says, this is it, Rick, you got to ask him. And my knees were knocking, but I said, you know, hey, uh, Craig, I was um, meaning to ask you if um, you'd be willing to. Um, um. And he just gave me a big hug. And uh, to me, these moments of love and acceptance are, are, are big milestones to me in my recovery. Uh, one of the things I learned in the Al-Anon portion of my recovery is um, 
I guess one of the moments I was able to capture was what I called bigger feelings at the time. You know, when I was a boy, there was one night when dad was out drinking, it was late, mom was sleeping on the couch and she was watching, I don't know, Alfred Hitchcock or something and some kind of scary adult drama. And I was laying in my bed and I was just so scared. It was always scary for me when I had to go to bed and dad hadn't come home yet because I knew some shit was going, stuff was going on. Sorry. Um, and this night I got so scared just laying in my bed. And finally I thought I've, I've got to get up. I've got to, you know, tell my mom to turn the TV down. Cause the TV was scaring me, these adult scary voices. And it was like walking out in the dark to the living room was like walking a tightrope. I felt I was going to fall into an abyss. And I, and I woke her up and said, mom, can you turn the TV down? And she looked at me and she said, oh, Rick, you were white as a sheet. We didn't know what was going on with you. And, um, and later on, they took me to the doctor and they, they did a test on me. They did like an electroencephalogram to see what was going on with me. And, and, uh, and it was so nice, actually, to have these nurses putting all these things on my head. And I felt like I was really getting great care. And, and at one point, they prescribed some huge yellow sulfurous pills I was supposed to take for the bigger feelings. That's how I would describe what I was having. I was having bigger feelings, which, which really meant I was having an anxiety attack in my child language. So I joked later, I said, you know, my parents had a, the disease of alcoholism and I took a pill for it. Um, and it was kind of like that. Uh, they thought I was, I was the strange one, right? Um, I got into counseling and found out, you know, they had a name for that. They said, oh, you got anxiety disorder and, uh, you know, fear and anger trapped in my body. Didn't know how to get out. Uh, along the way, I found out that I also have a big critic who gives me a lot of trouble. Uh, I once heard a meditation teacher say he has a wicked critic. He was a Scottish guy. I have a wicked critic. I said, oh, man, that's what I got, a wicked critic. So just learning that I have that in there was helpful. You know, we awareness. I also started going to S programs. I went to SAA um, because, well, I had my reasons to go. And one of the beautiful things I found in recovery in that program is that I used to carry a lot of shame for doing things that I found out in that program. Wow. Everybody had done that. Everybody had done this. Really? I thought like I was the only person in the world. So recovery in the early days helped me let go of a lot of shame and belong to the human race where people are imperfect and progress, not perfection. I heard recovery is not linear from people I really respected. And that was certainly true of me. My recovery has been very nuanced and it's been progress, not perfection. About 10 years into Al-Anon, I had a great friend who uh, moved away and we'd stay in touch by phone. And he started saying, oh yeah, I'm starting to go into meetings and, um, and they're reading the red book. And I said, Mark, the red book. Look, I've been in Al-Anon 10 years. There's no red book in Al-Anon. So no, 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 I'm going to ACA, you know, and they got a red book and it's all about adult children. I said, really? So this was like another miracle. A door opened for me uh, at that moment. And I realized this is my people. You know, Al-Anon, a lot of people are there because their spouses or their children are alcoholics. I was there because my parents were, uh, even though actually now they've passed away and I'm an adult myself, mature adult. Um, so 
I definitely identified and I went right away and tried different meetings and some were better than others for me. And eventually I found somebody was starting a men's group and they were going to work the yellow book in ACA. And uh, I scooted in at the last minute. They were already on step two and a half. Uh, and I begged their permission and they let me in once again, the loving people in recovery. And 12 years, 13 years later, I still belong to that group. It's narrowed down from 30 men to like eight men, but we all check in on every Saturday morning. And, uh, it's, it's great to have people that, you know, and have known you for a long time. And, and you share that ACA stuff that you can talk about. So in the course of going deeper into my childhood and studying all those many little moments of traumas that I have, I learned that I had, oh, some kind of complex PTSD. So I had one acronym, PTSD, and there was a, there was a treatment for that, acro, uh, that acronym, which was another acronym called EMDR, uh, and one of many different ways that psychologists and therapists these days use to to treat uh, trauma. And, and I did a lot of that, you know, from my, from my yellow workbook, I took out the 10, the 12 greatest hits of Rick's, Rick's most powerful traumas. And I'd go in and I'd do a session on each one. And if I didn't feel the session was good enough, let's just do another session on that one. And, you know, not everyone was a slam dunk. Not everyone was a miracle, but many were. You know, there were moments where I got more ease around it. Like even that night when I had my first bigger feelings, you know, after I did some work on that moment of trauma, I kind of felt like the traumatized Rick, who was so scared, went back to the bedroom and there was like my big brother, Rick, who was there and I could talk to him about what had happened. And there was like, um, there was somebody else. I had a therapist who said, that's, that's your wise self. That's your witness. That's the one who can never be hurt. That's your soul. Um, some people in program call it, you know, your loving parent or an, an, the, the adult part of yourself or whatever. But doing this work helped cut the edge of those most severe traumas I experienced and, and gave me a little breathing room to be able to make choices and do life differently sometimes. I learned a lot about self-care, sometimes simple things. You know, I used to have, um, and I still do actually, and maybe sometimes every other day, certainly a couple, three times a week, I'll have a disturbing dream that might feel shameful or scary or just uncomfortable somehow. I used to wake up and I'd feel like, oh, I got to remember everything that happened in that dream and I got to understand it. I got to you know, and I get all intellectual about it. And by the time I got through all my process of trying to remember everything and get all intellectual and understand it, man, I really felt bad by that time. And I learned in ACA, it's not about understanding it. Understanding it's kind of the booby prize. Loving it, that's what it's about. Somewhere along the line, somebody told me, um, you know, we wake up to an alarm. Why do we want to wake up to an alarm? Uh, wake up to gentle music. So I found some gentle music. Um, I'm really fond of this guy who who calls his music, uh, does music under the name of Liquid Mind. Sweet music that really works for me, puts me in a sweet place. I wake up to Liquid Mind 
If I had a dream that made me feel ashamed or anxious or uncomfortable, I'd just say, you know what? Yeah, I know. I know all that stuff. Those 12 favorite traumas, you know, that would make anybody feel that way. And it's still there in my subconscious. So sometimes it comes up. I don't need to understand it any more than that. You know, it's just that old stuff. So what I do is I lay in bed, I listen to Liquid Mind, and I breathe. And I try to just put my mind in the space of where that music is. And just, you know, tell myself I'm okay. It's okay to be alive. I'm safe. I survived all that stuff, and it's, it's a better day today. And boy, my days start out so much better. Little habits of self-care. You know, this, I love this one, but it's so simple. It's like now at night, I'm getting older. Uh, at night in the morning, I, I like to moisturize. I went to, I did an online thing once, and the guy who was doing makeup said, I've got a piece of advice for you. I said, oh, what? He says, moisturize. I love it at night and in the morning, you know, I get the cream out and I moisturize my face and my feet, you know, and uh, it's just, it's just this great feeling of self-care of the body. Sometimes I just give myself a massage in the morning when I wake up, I massage my legs and my arms and like, ah, oh, it feels great to have a body that works and is healthy. It's so good to take care of myself in that way. It's so good for my anxiety, you know, it calms my anxiety down. One of the biggest things I found out in recovery was that I had been searching uh, for the loving mother. I had been searching for the loving mother in romantic partners and adults that I trusted and people that I loved. I wanted them to become my loving mother, my loving father. And, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I was kind of a lost child. I was that kid who was walking around in the neighborhood, kind of moping around. And, you know, like all the other houses seemed like nice houses, warm houses. My house was the weird one, you know, so I was kind of wandering around hoping somebody would take me in. As a child, that was perfectly normal. That was a perfectly normal response to the stuff that was going on. As an adult, I don't work so good, you know? So I've learned not to look for romantic partners or other adults who are going to be that loving parent or mother or father to me. It's got to come from Rick. And, and unfortunately... I can't switch it on just like a light and say, now I'm a grounded, healthy adult and I will always come to Rick for everything that he needs. You know, sometimes Rick still gets overwhelmed by his fears. Sometimes Rick still gets overwhelmed by his resentments or whatever. And so I can't always be there for myself, but I've learned that the love I was always looking for is the love I've got to give myself. And the time to start doing it is always now. And do it the best I can, and it's progress, not perfection. I've recovered a lot of things in recovery. I think recovery is the right name for it because I recovered simple things like, hey, I love riding a bike. Well, Rick, why don't you buy a bike? Hey, I could do that. I got a job. I got money in the bank. I can buy a bike. Hey, all of a sudden, I'm happy. That's great. I love music. Music was always my go-to place, right? You can't feel feelings in the home, but I could sit at the piano and pound on the piano, and that was okay. So I got a keyboard. I got three guitars and a ukulele. I love music. I've also recovered belonging. 
You know, music turns out to be a way I can belong. I found an open mic group. It's like a chosen family. These sweet people, they are so encouraging. You know, hey, you did a great job with that. And everybody's, you know, it's, and of course we have our weird uncles and our strange aunts, but you know, we're like a family, like any family, we're imperfect. Um, I've even found that I love songwriting and I have songwriting groups now where we give each other feedback on our songs. I have, I have recorded CDs, you know, things I'd never thought I would do in my lifetime. Uh, I have realized, unlike when I was married years ago, that I thought I was safe if I wasn't in love. I realized I can only be in a relationship if I am in love. If I could be hurt, that's the only time you can do it. And uh, I'm safe because I can feel my feelings, even if they're hurt. Okay. Oh, by the way, I also belong to a Unitarian church. Just, it suits me. I never thought I would belong to a church, but I always sort of wanted to. And I've learned a lot from them too. Like you all, listening to your stories have warmed my heart about how it's not just me, the weird kid on the block who's hurt. Everybody's got their pain. You know, put me right-sized. It's not just me versus the world. Everybody's got their pain. I've learned that through groups like this. And going to the Unitarian Church, they got a big thing about social justice. I've learned about, you know, hey, you know, get off the cross, we need the wood, right? We got to spend some time to help other people. It can't always be about our pain. Even though self-care is so important, I can't do my day if I don't do self-care. But once I do self-care, it's like, okay, do I have a little bit left over for somebody else? So ACA is at the vanguard of my program today because I still find even today I was writing a, a Christmas card to a, to a cousin who's become kind of estranged. Most of my cousins, we've been kind of become estranged for different reasons. They're still back in Michigan. And, uh, and I had reached out to her because there was a piece of my story I thought she might know about. And anyway, I, I was kind of, I realized I wrote her a Christmas card that's really coming from my child who wants to know about his, something about his mom. You know, it's like, well, I've got to open up that, I've got to rewrite that Christmas card, you know, and, and make it from my adult instead of from my child. It, it's a nuance. It's a nuance. I discovered this thing called five rhythms, uh, which for me was really cool. I've never been a dancer, but in five rhythms, it's not about the moves. There are no moves. There's just some music and you move what you feel. And at some point, they really ramp it up and they, you know, encourage you to get out all your heebie-jeebies, yell if you want to, scream, hoop and holler, jump up and down, stomp. Wow, I can do this in front of other people. I can show strong emotions of joy or anger in a safe way in front of other people. That is so healing for me. So there's a five rhythms group nearby in San Francisco that I, I go to from time to time, sweet people who run it, nice people who come and, and we all get our heebie-jeebies out every so often. Um, I found a new somatic therapist because there's still stuff going on in my body. I found, you know, some tensions, stomach and elsewhere uh, that, you know, I bet you that's some of that old stuff, you know, let's, let's just take some time and have somebody who knows something about that be with these things in my body See if we can unwind a little bit. 
I love that Buddhist thing about unwind your karma, like the lotus unfolding. You know, I still feel like a, we're in 12 step, we talk about peeling away the onion, but I like that lotus unfolding. There's a lot of unfolding, even 20 some years into recovery, there's still a lot of unfolding to do. Um, every day is its own challenge. Sometimes I got the afraid kid who overwhelms me or the resentful kid who overwhelms me or this teenager who just wants what he wants right now uh, and, and wants to act out in some different kind of way, uh, whatever. And there's a pouting child. There's a depressed. There's a whole family inside of me. It's a, it's a full-time job to manage Rick, let me tell you. But I am finding more and more that there's also this loving. Oh, and I love the phrase that we have in ACA. Treat myself with gentleness. Gentleness. Wow. What a concept. Humor. I would have never come up on that on my own. Humor. You know, just sit back and say, yeah, well, it got pretty hairy back there. But, you know, I love that gentleness, humor, love, and respect. Treat myself with gentleness, humor, love, and respect. That phrase has been a go-to for me over and over and over again. Because every day life's a challenge. I'm still building this safe, grounded, assertive part of me. And I'm still learning to trust a power bigger than myself, whom I call life. Life for me is a power greater than myself. It's something that I'm intimate part of, and it's much bigger than me. It started long before me. It will go on long after me, and I'm a part of it. And child in me doesn't trust life, doesn't feel like it's going to be okay. It's afraid to get out there, standing on the edge of the pool and won't jump in. But this loving adult in me is beginning to say, you know, life, I don't understand it. I couldn't explain it to you. It's way bigger than me. But, you know, I think it's okay. I think life is, I think life is good. And on a good day, I can trust it. So uh, that's my progress, not perfection. And uh, gosh, in less than 30 minutes. Now I'd like to hear about yours.